This week, round five, we're going to be up against Sydney FC. But before all that, I've got to let our audience know we've got two guests appearing today. First ever pod with guests appearing, and they're members of the new bullpen. They're here to give their side of the story following the recent furor with the old bullpen. Um, before we get to all that, we've got some previewing to do. We've got the things that happen off the pitch to look forward to and keep an eye on. So let's start with the grand opening of the MFC fan store. And, you know, after what seems like years, the fan store is now open. Apart from selling just merchandise, there's also a mini AstroTurf field, which is apparently going to be used for skill sessions and birthday parties. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, There's an e-station so fans can play FIFA. And there's also a press conference area so the kids can go in there and pretend like they're on FIFA. They're addressing the press gallery following a game. I might have to give you a run in the uh, FIFA section there, I think. Oh, mate, you'll cream me. I, uh, I will give 10 bucks to any f- person who can beat Daniel on FIFA in the E station. Let's just hope Dean doesn't listen to this podcast, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's kick on. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so we worry, though, a little bit. I, I worry because, you know, as 10-year-olds, if I saw this happening, I'd be like frothing over it. I'd be loving this. Um I remember when we went down to Melbourne to see the Liverpool FC game and there was all the stores um, like Adidas and Nike had sort of a fan experience thing to capitalise on that. And that was a lot of fun. Um, but it feels a little bit gimmicky. Like I, I wonder after the first time that a kid walks into the store and sees the pitch and sees the press gallery and the e-station, is it actually going to be something they're going to go back and do or is it just going to be a little gimmick? Um, yeah, it's too early to say whether I have that staying power um to really be a consistent eye catcher and like sort of stay in the minds of people whether or not it just ends up turning into a merchandise store whether they can keep it fresh potentially if they keep creating sort of events like this then it might help um prolong its uh, legacy yeah definitely um it's one of those tricky things because a club is so much based upon community, but you have a bit of a abrasiveness when you have community up against um, commerce, right? And obviously the club at the end of the day want to sell as much merchandise as possible. Um, they want to make it a welcoming environment for people. And I'm, I'm of course thinking that kids are just going to love this place uh, for at least the first little bit. But, you know, at the end of the day, they do want to be making their cash. And somehow I see it as a little bit antithetical, um, to the community spirit that we should have. It should be sort of an open area, but it's, you know, within a, it's tucked right up in the corner of MacArthur Square. Um, If you didn't know it was there, you probably wouldn't walk past it too often. Um, But having said that, we're being obviously very negative right now. Um, (laughs) It was from what I saw, I was unable to actually attend the store opening, but from what I saw on social media, it was really well received um, by people on social media. The club made up for the delay by getting their players out there to sign jerseys and other merch and, um, you know, 
good publicity. Glad the players actually got sort of a taste of our local community. Um, but you have to uh, you have to ask, like, was it was it worth the wait? Yeah, um, as you said, it was received very well on social media and being at the square, MacArthur Square that day. Um, even me, who's usually the negative type, once I saw a few MacArthur FC players wandering around, uh, you could feel the buzz, the electricity. Whether or not it was the uh, MacArthur store opening or the new Vietnamese restaurant remains to be seen. <laughs> but um, but no, it definitely um, it looked lively at the square. Um, there was players all about um, the outside section just grabbing lunch, just going about their day. Uh, managed to run into a few of them, Genro, Franic and uh, Federici. Had a quick chat to a couple of them. They were just kicking back, having fun, chilling, having some good banter. So Served yeah. up a couple of palmies, I believe. Oh, uh, yeah. Genro loves a Diet Coke. He's watching the calories. Um, I won't get into too calories. much. But, yeah, I won't get into too much. But, uh, but no, nah, it was uh, good to see him. You got his number, didn't you? Yeah, no. <laughs> All righty. Well, no, it's good to see the the team out in the community and actually having having a bit of interaction because um, we know that some of our uh, higher salaried players have been set up on Bondi Beach. Um, Loic Puyo, if you follow him on Instagram, all he does is surf, um, just like Lockie Rose. But yeah, uh, and I know the Darbish, uh, Matt Darbashir and uh, Ben Yat and Sisayeta, they're all sort of based in the city. So it's good for them to get a bit of community engagement. Moving on from that, we're going to have a quick look at news that came out today about a, an emerging partnership, commercial partnership with the South Sydney Rabbitohs Rugby Club. Um, it looks a little odd on the face of it, but having read the article, I mean, you can take it kind of either way. I'm a little bit hesitant. I think that we're not that desperate straight away that we need to be, you know, fishing in other sporting geographies, so to speak. Um, but, you know, it, it is an interesting development. It's sort of unseen in any other sports codes. Um, um, yeah, yeah uh, there's been quite a little bit of confusion I've seen on social media. Um, obviously, the same, same sort of thing happens with the uh, MPL partnership with uh, Northbridge. Mm. Um, the fans just sort of are thinking like, oh, we're a MacArthur-based team. Why aren't we partnering with what's around us and there just seems to be that sort of like oh what's the club doing what's the club getting out of these partnerships that's on the surface seem to be far away but whether or not it's just seeing there's opportunity there to attract talent and sort of push through this COVID phase by creating these um, deals and events for fans um and try to subtract the most out of what they have to offer. Um, yeah, it's it's a tricky time. And I guess you can't really fault the owners because at the end of the day, whether we like to admit it or not, and you know we're football purists here, but at the end of the day, it is a business. Um, they need to ma- make sure that their bottom line is looked after so that they can put on performances for us that we love to go and watch. Um, in the fine print of the article that the MacArthur FC have put out, they've said that there's going to be reciprocal access to one-off games in each season for members. So that means uh, Rabbitohs members can come and watch a MacArthur FC game. That game is against Adelaide United on the 12th of Feb. Um, bit of an odd one. I don't know how 
heavily that's going to be pushed by Souths. I mean, I'm not a Souths member myself, but it remains to be seen. Maybe like maybe the club is thinking, oh, there's a big proportion of Campbelltown uh, locals who actually support Souths. Um, apparently, I've read that apparently uh, Souths is well better supported than West Tigers in the area, which I struggle to believe, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, it's, uh, supposedly they have more memberships in the area, and I think the Rabbitohs sort of see the southwest Sydney district of MacArthur, Campbelltown, and then sort of that Menangle area as a future growth. Like It's not just a short-term money-earning tactic that's uh, come about of this partnership. It seems to have... Um, its feet in the future. Like this talk of, oh, by 2036, there's going to be, you know, 10,000 more homes and whatever. So they see it as a future project, which hopefully it can be something like that. Um, but it'll be a bit strange if um, the FFA, or sorry, Football Australia, as they've rebranded to now, if Football Australia push forward with the alignment of the football calendar to winter. Um, they'll be direct competitors. And I just, I don't know if this is just a, you know, a quick little investment that's going to, you know, dissipate over the years or if it's going to stay with us. But um, one of the really strange snippets is that Rabbitohs gear will be sold at our store. And right now, I mean, you can't just go in there unless you've pre-ordered, you can't go in there and get a MacArthur jersey. So that's a bit strange. Um, Absolutely bizarre. Like I know that commercial partnerships are very important, but, Man, we haven't had the store for a week and they're already selling other teams' jerseys in there. I, I granted and, another code, but man, that doesn't seem right to me. Yeah, and as it is, there doesn't seem to be much harmony between the two codes because it always seems to be, oh, when you're younger, it's either rugby or football that you're playing. Yeah. And, and I don't know about you, but I've not watched an NRL game in three or four years, so... Yeah, it just for me personally, I'd have no interest in going to that uh, reciprocal game. Yeah, neither. I I would not go to a South game, but um, (laughs) you know, it's (laughs) it seems like no matter what sporting event in the world, there's always someone in a South jersey. So maybe this is a good move by the club. Um, looking further into it, the the move seems to be backed by Gino Mara. Now he's got a stake in, or we don't we don't know the particulars, but he's involved with MeSim. Uh, which is one of our major sponsors. Uh, so they're partnering with the Rabbitohs on their own to push out a mobile platform called Rabbitohs Mobile. And this, to me, seems like a bit of a vertical integration step by Gino. Um, you know, if he can get his mobile platform out there with the Rabbitohs, maybe the reciprocal thing from the Rabbitohs is to advertise a few MacArthur FC games. Um, and maybe that means that he can profit from the move and pump more money into the club. Or maybe it doesn't. Maybe he just gets rich off it. We don't know. And there could be uh, stipulations about like, you know, shared revenue streams or commercial opportunities. The um, article was vague on that. They did say that there was going to be uh, joint venture commercial opportunities in the future, but they were scant on details about how that would come about. What it really seemed to signal was, um, yeah, like you said, South's moving or targeting our area. Um, and part of that is also their charity, South Cares, which focuses on education, employment and employment and health promotion. 
Uh, so that's going to be reaching into the Campbelltown and Camden local councils. Uh, out of this move, do you reckon that it benefits uh, rugby league or football more? I would, off the bat, I think it just benefits the Rabbitohs a lot more than it probably does to us because they're going to be really going for this community, the Campbelltown community, just to try and get more members on board down the line. And as you can see with like the the South Mobile and they have all these other um, sort of diversification strategies going on to raise revenue for the South Club. Um, it just seems like another step for them, which from the South point of view is a great move, but whether or not us, uh, MacArthur FC is being sort of exploited by South, whether it's a mutual benefit, um, we'll have to wait and see. But I think uh, the South definitely have the better end of this deal um, on the yeah. surface. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that we'll have to just wait and see how it plays out. But um, yeah, it's not it's not immediately clear like, wow, what good news. Um, a lot of consternation about it not being a partnership with the West Tigers. But I, I draw the line at even like, why would you partner with a direct competitor in the sporting landscape. Um, maybe it's just, yeah, it, I don't know what to make of it, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, well, yeah, like I said, on the face of it, it seems to favour rugby league. Yeah, there's been a lot of, uh, like the club itself said, it's the first sort of partnership of its kind, but maybe that's why, yeah. you know. But who knows, maybe it could pay dividends for us in the future. Maybe we get a couple of promising youngsters coming up through South who realise that they'd rather kick a ball than be tackled, uh, <laughs> rushed into the ground. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. uh, up next for you, the lovely, adoring and beautiful bullpen audience. You guys are going to be treated to a, an interview with two members of the bullpen. They're going to jump on here and say their piece. So we'll leave you to that. And on the other side, we'll be pre previewing the Sydney FC game coming up against MacArthur FC at home. See you on the other side. Oh, he can't tackle like that. And not surprisingly, the referee does take out the yellow card for the challenge. He can have no complaints with that, John. To my mind, that was a booking. So for the very first time, we have guests on the Bull Banter podcast. I'd like to welcome Matthew DeProssi and Joe Paragli, who are representing the bullpen. You guys are part of the committee, is that correct? Yeah, that is. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. correct. Awesome. So we'll jump straight into it. Um, the very first question I wanted to ask you was, what circumstances led to you guys being on the committee for the bullpen? So um, originally there was um, an old bullpen and they had problems with the club. Um, at one stage, it basically became untenable for the old bullpen to continue. Um, they approached me and Joe and asked us if um, if we wanted to take over. Um, from that point, that point, we basically took control and and started to started to move from there to make the committee. So, um, just wanted to push a little bit further into that. So, the club approached you to create a new bull bullpen. Um, did they outline sort of the reasons for that? So, sorry, the the old bullpen approached us to oh, yep. okay. yes. Um, there was one or two members in our committee that the club did approach. Um, but we, 
from what the conversation we had with the old bullpen, we started just talking to everyone. And yeah. through that conversation, we found out that the club had contacted other people. Yeah, okay. So it seems like you guys are a bit more of a collective group than sort of being just headed by one individual or, you know, a, a smaller group. It seems to be a bit more community-based. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. So our, um, our committee is based on 11 people. Um, it's only based on that because we had to, we had to start somewhere. Um, so originally this happened before the first game. So I literally just went on a lot of the pages, started seeing who was um, commenting and asked them if they're involved. And we made the committee from that. So there is people that we still don't know because of that reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, I just got as many people as I could involved and to grow the committee. Oh, well, in, um, in that respect, I guess it sounds like quite a built from the ground up sort of approach, which is, uh, I suppose, a good thing to see, um, especially for an active support group. Um, but getting into it a bit more, um, obviously, there's been a bit of criticism coming your way from the uh, so-called original bullpen um do you think it, that criticism was fair enough or a bit over the top or what was your sort of perspective um we do we do think it is over the top so the main thing of criticism is that we are owned owned by the club um the thing people aren't realizing is that there is a difference between support for the bullpen and ownership of the bullpen as soon as the club gets involved in anything bullpen related, they jump on and say they're owned by us. Um, currently, we've got 40 members in the bullpen. So we need to grow somehow. So the club showing support of us is, is exactly that. That's all it is. So it's just an endorsement. Um, There's actually no, um, I guess, connections between you and the club leadership. Like no one's giving you directions no one's telling you what to do kind of thing yeah that's that's correct so the, none of them are involved in any of our decisions um they we have our own entity um they did take the trademark for the MacArthur bullpen and over the last week um we've asked for that and they're in the process of getting that transferred Okay, so that's that's really interesting because I think that was the main concern of a lot of people who, you know, maybe initially signed up for active support and then before the first balls even kicked, um, you know, they've been relocated and then had the trademark taken or not taken off them, but just kind of snatched out of thin air. Um, I think, yeah, people are, are a bit weary of, um, you know, clubs trying to intervene too much in active support. We've seen how it's gone in Australia previously um, with the over-policing and, uh, you know, the destruction a bit of active support. So um, in your, the endorsement of the bullpen by the club is good, but I'm glad to hear that it's not, um, you know, it's not anything to do with leadership or directing it. You guys are an organic organization. Yeah, that's, that's exactly how it is. Um, so we, they came to us with a few, the club came to us with a few things they wanted us to do, make our own entity, um, being non-for-profit, stuff like that. And as soon as we've presented them everything, they're now working on getting that transferred over to us. So okay. we do hope 
we do hope to have that done within about the next week. And we will make a statement on that as soon as it is officially over to us. Okay, fantastic. That's a, that's really good news. Um, building off of that, where like what do you expect to do once you do have that trademark? Because then the bullpen is in your name and or in the committee's name, and you're able to uh, you know perhaps make merchandise and and really push forward. So what are you hoping to sort of see occur over the next year after receiving that trademark? Um, so, so we have started merch already, um, and the club is is aware of that. Um, we've started merch with t-shirts yesterday, and we're sort of hoping that in the next week or so we can release some scarves as well. Brilliant. Um, from that, tifos and and stuff like that we've spoken about, but a lot of that does take money. Yeah, you need to do fundraising first, obviously. So I'm I'm supposing that um, scarves and uh, your t-shirts that you talked about is going to be the first sort of effort to fundraise for things like tifos, like flags and banners and other uh, other stuff like that. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, definitely. We're looking at looking at doing a few things with the money. I've seen I've seen some of the clubs already that. They started using the safe smoke and everything like that. Mm. I think I want to I want to look into that as well, and I think that'd be yeah. good for us to, to start using as well. Yeah, because obviously, um, you know, there's a stigma around and obviously rules around uh, the use of flares. Um, we've seen Western Sydney uh, cop cop massive bans for that, and um, you know, even though they are a lot of fun and there's no pyro, no party, um, we still have to <laughs> abide by the rules, don't we? Um, so yeah, we, we don't want to have the team losing points or, you know, the club being fined massive amounts. So I think if that's an alternative we can pursue, that's a really good thing. Um, moving on a little bit in your opinion, what do you guys think the club could do to actually improve the match day experience? So obviously your bullpen group will be a part of that, but more broadly, what can the club do maybe a bit better from what you've seen so far on game day at Campbelltown stadium? So, um, we've had, we've had a few meetings with the club um, and we've spoken about a lot of stuff on this on, on this note. Um, the main thing for us at the moment is ticket prices. Um, there is reasons behind the club doing that. Right now, basically, policing is, um, they're having to pay full price for that, but only being able to sell 25% of tickets. So it's an issue of economics as in you know, you can't get as many fans through the gates, but you still got to pay the cops what they're worth and the security what they're worth. And I don't know what the situation that necessarily is with um, stadium hire. I, I'd i seen it somewhere reported that um, the club only pays $1 per year to Campbelltown Council to lease the stadium. Um, has that been discussed at all? It, it has briefly and... Um, from what from what we've been told, that that isn't exactly true. Um, I, I don't know much, so I don't, I don't want to say too much of that. But I believe that deal was signed, and then catering and everything else got involved. Um, yeah. So they actually haven't been able to to dictate the prices the way they hoped. Yeah. Um, yeah. As I said, this that's not something that we've really been involved in. Um, so I don't really want to talk on behalf of the club, but they yeah. have said 
But yeah, but they're, they're the issues. Fair enough. Um, yeah. So, anything else that you would want the club to do apart from, um, you know, maybe changing the prices when they're able to, when COVID restrictions are uh, relaxed a bit, and we can get a full hundred um, percent stadium use? What else would you like them to do? Well, other than, other than prices, I don't, I don't know what else they can do for us. Like it, the thing that's holding us back at the moment is these COVID restrictions. We can't we can't chant, we can't do anything like that. Once we can do that, I, I feel like the game day experience is going to be a hundred times better. Yeah, you know I mean? it definitely won't be uh, clouded out in um, those uh, cowbells, but it de- definitely be interesting down the line. <laughs> yeah. uh, it can get the um, the smoke and all that stuff involved just a bit more than just those cowbells that yeah destroy your ears on the telly even though they're fun but <laughs> they're good man like when they're putting off opposition goalkeepers and whatnot they're fantastic but sometimes you know if the whole crowd doesn't get into it i reckon it sometimes sounds like um you know on a sunday morning when your dad takes out the recycling and he's just dropping all the beer bottles into the recycling <laughs> <laughs> but um you know Maybe we can make it sound a bit better. I don't know if you have it. Do you have any ideas of if you're going to use them in your chants or when when it, when everything opens up? Of course, they're they're definitely gonna gonna be a part somehow. Um, right right now, it's actually good for us because we can't chant. Yeah. So it's a way of us creating our atmosphere without being able to do that. Um, they're definitely a part of us and and let's be honest the fact that people hate them makes them even better yeah definitely right so they'll definitely be be a part um we'll have we'll have chance and stuff to to minim to minimize it but they'll definitely have to be a part somehow yeah i I feel like they will definitely die down once the chanting starts so like yeah. yeah 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 Yeah, I, it, it's the best you can make of a bad situation, I suppose, with um, needing to have an atmosphere. Those noisemakers do fill in the role of chanting, but, um, you know, you, what, what else can you do until the restrictions are eased? Um, and, yeah, finally, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll leave on um, a bit of a upper note. Um, what's the first chant going to be rolled out? What do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we've got we've got a few. We've got um, Ale Ale Ale. We've got oh, there's there's a few of them. We've got we've got a list of them ready to go. Surely, surely, Lucky Rose gets his own chant. Oh, we're working <laughs> on one. We're working on one. We, All right, I won't I won't make you guys give it away. I won't scoop you too much. We'll wait for match day when you can really belt it out in in proper fashion. Um, thank you guys so much, Joe and Matthew from the bullpen. Thanks for coming on to Bull Banter. Oh, yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you. They can't believe it on the bench, look. <laughs> well, he's still plucking away, John. You have to admire his persistence. Well, well, well. That was some interesting listening. And now we're on to a preview of round five. Thank you for sticking with us on this one. Um, Sydney, we're going to have a look at them. They've lost their last one up against Central Coast Mariners at home. Um, a very similar story to the one that got told at Campbelltown when Central Coast visited us earlier in the season. What did you make of it, Daniel? Yeah, um, obviously, similar story was the same scoreline, in fact. And uh, Mariners just look good against those 
sorts of teams that like to keep the ball and sort of break teams down like uh, ourselves and Sydney do. Um, but it has to be said that Sydney were pretty unlucky not to get a result out of the game. They were pretty sloppy in the box and were often snatching at chances uh, when they rose. Um, but yeah, just Central Coast Mariners um, getting another good result against the top team. Yeah, you can tell that um, Stadich just has drilled them to within an inch of their lives. Um, and the boys, you know, the young lads that they got there just really believe in him and they're getting results and good, fair play to them. Um, but our opponent is Sydney. Um, you have to say that, you know, they looked like they play like us, but they're creating more chances. Um, as you brought up rightly, that they had a lot of chances that, you know, went astray. Um, ones that were falling to Trent Buhaja and Costa Barbarisis, which were not, were not converted. Um you could say maybe that they're missing a bit of their killer instinct. In previous seasons, they've always had this talismanic striker, this person who can get them over 20 goals a season, um, going back as far as Mark Yanko. Um, then they had Bobo, and of course now Lafondro was there, and Bobo's back, but um, he's still getting up to speed. So they're putting their faith in youth with Buhaja um, and Barbarisis, who's who looks a shadow of the player he once was. Um, so maybe they need someone like Bobo to come in to really you know hit their stride, but... Um, we hope not against us, obviously, uh, though it is unclear that if Bobo will start. You can also expect that Sydney won't change their game plan. Um, they never do. They're just so well drilled at what they do and often it pays dividends for them. Um, and we're not going to change our game plan either. So it'll be two teams that will look to sit back, get possession, build up slowly, tire out their opponents. Um, it could be a really tense fixture. Like if we're spending the first 45 just figuring each other out, I don't know you know, it could end up being a nil-nil. Um, or if, you know, both coaches decide, no, we're really going to try and press our advantage, particularly in that second half, if nothing's really happened yet, I can see Steve Corica. If Steve Corica really wants to sort of press the advantage in that second half, because he's probably desperate for a win. I mean, it's it was a shock loss to Central Coast. Um, you know, you can see the teams being a bit more expressive in the second half, but um, generally in play, Sydney move the ball quicker. They do our game plan probably a little bit better than us. And um, it, they create more chances in the box. They don't get as many balls in the box, but they create more chances in the box. Yeah. Um, I, I feel that they have uh, more innovative players going forward, but then obviously lacking that uh, talismanic striker, as you said, that can um, put the chances away. But I think they'll definitely be creating more than us in the game. And that's what we have to go in expecting that they're going to be coming at us. Um, but yeah, we do play the same sort of game um, to Sydney, but I think it should be an exciting low scoring match. If that's a thing that exists. Probably you never know. Not. If, if we catch them with one early and they really let, let rip at us and then they leave themselves a bit exposed at the back, it could be four nil. Who knows? Could be um, looking at a five, four. Yeah. I mean, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Standard A-League. I mean, why not go 5-5? Do one better than Perth and Western United. But um, no, it, it could end up, you know, end-to-end, especially later in the game, as we said. Um, yeah, it's it's a tough one. Uh, looking at the game they had against Central Coast, where they were really exposed was when they had a long spell of possession and the, you know, the pressure was building and it wasn't telling. And then because they were at home again with their own fans, 
um, maybe getting on their backs a bit, like, come on, why haven't you put a couple of a couple past um, Central Coast? The pressure was building on them, and you know to do something. So they were pushing even harder and getting a bit riskier. And uh, if you watch that first goal back that Central Coast scored against Sydney, it was actually Daniel Bowman going down the left wing and um, Ryan Grant had pushed all the way up and not tracked back. Usually he's graded it, but um, he did not track back. So Bratton had to fill in from that midfield position. And Bratton, you know, he's a good player, but he's not the quickest. And so Bowman was able to get around him, put in a dangerous cross. And, you know, with the pressure of Matt Simon on uh, Ben Warland there, he just made a poor touch um, and it was 1-0. Yeah, and that goal came right after the uh, disallowed goal for Sydney FC. So um, it could just be that they capitulate and just got caught. They might have thought, oh, we've thrown everything we can at this game and then just took the foot off the gas or a bit sort of mentally out of it. And then uh, Mariners just capitalised a couple minutes later. Yeah, it's almost a carbon copy of the goal that uh, Central Coast scored against us with uh, Smiley, the, the second one, where we just threw everything at them, you know, time after time for like, you know, five, six minutes on end without them getting the ball. And all of a sudden, you know, because we, we're getting more and more attacking in our posture and, you know, they do have some dangerous players on the counter. All it took was a good through ball and a good run through from a young bloke. And, you know, it it paid for them. Uh, so that's maybe something we could do if we're looking at the outlet of Lachlan Rose. Um, but I don't see us necessarily catching them like that. They will have looked at that on on the footage over the, the middle of the week and uh, probably identified that as a bit of a area where they're culpable. Um, so what I really see happening is, you know, a, a tense game that opens up as it goes on and potentially we score our goals through uh, set piece opportunities um, or, you know, one of our 20 to 30 crosses a game goes in. Um, yeah, I, I just yeah. feel like at the moment, I feel that's the only way we're going to get goals against these sorts of teams. Um, whereas Sydney, they're just, they can go wide, they can go through the middle, just one touch, two touch passing with, you know, Ninkovic and Caceres. They looked very dangerous against Mariners. And I think they'll be dangerous even more so against uh, MacArthur on the weekend. Yeah, they're a class outfit. I, I do hope that um, Sujnia and Jovanovic can be back, uh, the, the pair back in uh, center defense there because we do need Milligan to run the troops in the midfield. Um, with Jonro and Benya in the midfield, it does feel a little bit, um, you know, it, it feels like it lacks a bit of muscle, that midfield. Because yeah. they are tidy players, but they're not necessarily players that are known for their combativeness and tackling. And, um, you know, Sydney have got Bratton, Ninkovic, and Caceres who run the show for them. Bratton's hard as nails. Ninkovic is all class. You're not going to get the ball off him unless you foul him. And Caceres can do both. Um, so it's going to be one of those ones where we're going to have to really graft and make the most of our opportunities, certainly, which I don't know if we've really done that so far. Um, we've spent a couple of chances here and there. Uh, but I'd also like to see us create a few more chances and hopefully with a bit more fitness coming through with a bit more, uh, you know, gelling of the, of the team over the last couple of weeks and they've been able to train. Um, hopefully we'll start to see all the, the class that we have on paper start to pay dividends in, in reality. Yeah. You'd have to feel that Milligan comes back into that 
uh, central defensive mid role just to really shore up our defense um, and, you know, give us that confidence that we were lacking uh, last time out. Yeah, definitely. So um, to finalize it, what do you reckon? Where are you putting your money? What's the prediction, the score prediction for tomorrow night's game? Uh, I'm going to go for a high-scoring 1-1 draw. Um, <laughs> Lots of VAR rule-outs, high-scoring 1-1. Yeah. Uh, I think, again, I'm going to take the, um, you know, the... Uh, conservative. Conservative approach. And um, I think it's either a draw or a Sydney win coming out of this game. Yeah, sadly, I I don't see us doing the business over Sydney. Um, they'll have been, you know, slapped into a bit of reality after that uh, loss to Central Coast Mariners at home, and they'll come out looking to prove a point. Not only because you know we're the new boys and they want to assert themselves as as kings of the city, but um, also you know we're charging their away fans, you know, oh yes, a full pineapple to become coming to Campbelltown and then catching the train home or going back home through the. Uh, you know, the M- M7, or oh, sorry, M- M5. Well, maybe that will uh, come back to help. Maybe that'll come back to help us. If we've got a full MacArthur Stadium, no Sydney FC fans in sight as, um, you know, if they're boycotting the game for these uh, steep prices, we uh, hopefully the bells are ringing, uh, ringing loud. And, yeah, uh, definitely. Although I think they'll show up. I mean, they can just take the money out of their uh, equity, can't they? anyway um so with that being said we're looking forward to the game we want to be loud and proud and out there um i don't think the chantings are loud still uh despite the fact that some restrictions have lifted uh for covid in new south wales but february 1st yeah that's right um it's a cutoff yeah so we'll see you guys out there it's surely one not to be missed if we can get the business done over sydney fc that would be a huge cue they are the current champions um so don't miss that one it kicks off at 7 10 p.m saturday the 30th of january and until next time we'll see you on the ball banter podcast go you bulls